What it do, y'all? Welcome to another new episode of Locked On Bucks. On today's show, well, after the Bucks lost to the Ra- the Rockets, Giannis came out and said everybody had to be better. First game after he said everybody needed to be better, and we did not get that type of effort. An embarrassing first half effort for the Milwaukee Bucks led to a pretty furious third quarter comeback effort, but it fell short. Bucks lost to the Jazz 132-116. We got to get into it. There's a lot to discuss tonight. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Camille Davis, and you can catch me weekly on the Technical File Podcast, as well as Cheesehead TV's Carry the G and MKE. Joining me, longtime voice of the pod and founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. We appreciate you for tuning in and thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, as well as on YouTube. So if you're on YouTube, please subscribe, hit the notification bell when we go live. We definitely appreciate that as well. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. As I mentioned in the open, Frank, arguably this is the worst first half of Bucks basketball that we've seen all season. Like the Bucks had a strong third quarter for sure, but that first half in itself, it it was, it was, it was confounding. It was frustrating. The Boo Birds came out in Milwaukee. And to my point, Giannis just recently said after the Rockets game, we need to be better. We need to play with more pride. And I actually have the quote um, that he discussed after the game with Eric Name, our friend at the Athletic. And he mentioned that problem with the Bucks defense, pride, 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 pride. We got to take it personal. Like we have to take it personal. Whoever wants to play hard, plays hard. Whoever doesn't want to play hard, it's got to be a decision that's got to be made. Even myself, too. If I don't play hard, sit me out. Sit me on the bench. There's times I'm tired and I don't play as hard and I, as I can. And there's times even when I give everything I have. But we have to have a mentality of work whenever we step on the floor to get stops. And again, was not the case in the first half against the Jazz tonight. Yeah, I mean, Giannis's heart may be in the right place, but unfortunately, you cannot speak defense into existence. And... Um, you know, I think in past years, the Bucks had the foundation of a great defense year in and year out, you know, certainly, um, since Mike Budenholzer had arrived, obviously that was kind of the core of what they did. And, you know, they had years where they weren't as good defensively, right. They had a couple years before last season where they weren't as good. One of those years obviously was with Brooke Lopez missing most of the season, but they were, I think what 14th or something like that in defensive rating with, you know, Giannis starting next to Bobby Portis all year long. So, um, you know, I think Giannis and pretty much all the guys that have been there, Brooke, Chris, Pat, and yes, Bobby, um, you know, those guys are used to just sort of like, well, if we just play our style that we will get stops, you know, there's going to be nights where teams shoot the lights out. And unfortunately, this was one of those nights when, you know, the Bucks. it's been been quite a long time since the Bucks had an opponent actually make a bunch of threes. Right. They've been super lucky over the past month and a half. And we saw tonight what happens when you're not lucky. And again, I think, you know, Adrian Griffin pointed to they weren't physical enough in some of their switches in the first half. Um, you know, I think I don't know if it was them thinking like, hey, no Dame Lillard, no campaign. Those are two of our worst defenders. 
we're automatically going to be good defensively tonight, right? Like I was very wary of of all the talk the last few days, people saying like, oh, you know, it's just personnel. What can you do? It's personnel. And I think the answer is always it's multiple things, right? Yeah, the Bucks personnel makes things more difficult. But we saw tonight. I mean, do you trust this coaching staff and this group? Do you, do you trust that this coaching staff has installed something that is going to get the Bucks to a good place defensively? Do you trust that these players believe in what they're doing defensively? Do you trust that these players are going to execute, you know, when things are are spelled out for them in the way that they should? I mean, you know, it's just, I think, a systemic failure probably across the board to, to yeah. a large extent. And that's how you get to being as bad defensively as we've seen them in this last stretch. So, um, you know, when the other team then starts to make shots, you know, we saw in the second half the upside of that, like, you know, mean reversion kicks in and they had a chance to come back and get, they got it to single digits. Um, but, you know, Camille, we we're talking before the podcast and you said, well, end of the day, they lost by 16 points. You know, you lost by 16 <laughs> to the jazz. So, you know, gold stars, whatever you want to do for the second half, you played one good quarter and the third quarter was really good. But again, how much of that also was just the jazz missing some shots that they were making um, in the first half. And then they went back to making shots in the, in the fourth, fourth quarter. So, you know, it's a, it's a really bad loss and it's an especially bad loss coming after the last game because everybody starting with Giannis wanted to talk about how important it was to change things. And he said, pride, we got to have pride. It was pride night in Milwaukee. And mm-hmm. I mean, well, let's just say we didn't see any pride from Milwaukee bucks on the floor because it was just, you know, same crap, different day. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And when the fans did boo this team in the second quarter, I was like, that's well-deserved because the Milwaukee Bucks fans, you can say a lot of things about Bucks fans, but Bucks fans are, they are loyal and they want to see a good product. And they know like when you're not giving them that. And it's not often that you hear Milwaukee fans boo. Like generally they're very supportive, but with what the Bucks were putting together in that first half, I don't blame them at all. But you saw the flip side of that Milwaukee love, right? Third quarter, Bucks are playing well. The crowd is in the game. Pfizer was rocking, and they're down 10. Like, the fans were trying to do everything that they could, and the players were too. But the reality of it is when you dig such a big hole like the Bucks did in that first half, it's really hard to dig out of. Your margin for error becomes even more narrow at that point. Being down 31 points at half, Sure, like you said, a gold star for only losing the game by 16 and, you know, getting the score down to 10, 9, 8 in the third quarter going into the fourth a bit there. But it was it was embarrassing. And you mentioned the three point shooting, which I do want to point out because the Utah Jazz tend to only make 13 threes a game. You mentioned the reversion game coming up. They normally make 13 threes a game. They made 16 in the first half. They were 16 of 30 from three in the first half, 30 attempts from three. Second half, you saw them do a bit of a better job at running them off the line. They were only able to get up 14 three-point attempts in the second half. But it's just, I don't understand at this point in the season when we've been having some of the same conversations, why it takes until the second half for this team to show some energy. Yeah, and I was really curious to look at what the two-point percentages were because Again, it's like there's going to be nights where teams just shoot a bunch of three-pointers and, you know, you can only do kind of so much about it. But, I mean, for starters, the Bucks shot a higher percentage from three in this game than the Jazz. They didn't shoot as many threes, but the Bucks were 17 of 36. That's 47%. The Jazz ended up 20 of 44. 
So in the second half, whatever, there's uh, 4 of 14, right? That's how you got back into this game. Mm-hmm. They were 45.5%. So, of course, yeah, the Jazz shot the lights out. But the Bucks, they shot an even higher percentage, right? So if you want to, like, cry about, you know, the other team just getting lucky shooting threes, well, Bucks got even luckier by, by that argument. And But if you look at what they did inside the arc, and the Bucks, I don't have the two-point numbers right in front of me. I don't know if you do, Camille, but 45% overall. So basically the Bucks were dragged down. They're, they're overall, they shot better from three than two. Meanwhile, the Jazz shot 52% overall. I think they were 27 of 46 on twos, which is just a sky-high rate. And I was looking at numbers. I mean, they, they shot really well from mid-range, uh, especially long mid-range. But, you know, overall, you took out your two, you know, really bad guard defenders, and the other team made a bunch of threes. Well, they also got to the rim a bunch and made a bunch of other shots. And, you know, even without um, any offensive rebounding in the second half, they had a number of kind of really painful kind of uncontested putbacks in the first mm-hmm. half, but overall the Bucks defensive rebounding numbers were actually ended up in a very good place. And the other thing too, that the, the transition numbers were an absolute blowout for the Bucks in the Bucks. Yeah, so this was really all about half court offense and not just half court offense, including like putbacks, but this was like all about the first shot half court offense, right? Because neither team really did much on the offensive class. The Jazz 126 points per play, first first play uh, in terms of in the half court. Bucks 87.5. And look, without Dame and or, or any like normal point guard ball handler, of course you're expecting the half court offense to be worse. And honestly, like if you lose this game, you know 189 or something like that, and you lose it just because you couldn't get enough offense, and because the Jazz were just loading up on Giannis, and you had you know, Andre out there starting and they're not respecting him and he doesn't know what to do with the ball when he's being, you know, basically put in a position to score. Like, okay, you know, like that at least would kind of track and you would say like, okay, well, you know, Dame's going to come back hopefully on Thursday against the Celtics and then your offense will go back to the way it was. But the offense was actually ended up being okay. And they kind of problem solved their way to, again, a decent offensive night, not quite their usual um, metrics in terms of offensive rating, but Again, the defense just, you know, no matter who it is, no matter who's out there, you know, take away all the bad defenders the Bucks have, and they still can't play 48 minutes of, of solid defense. And, you know, we can talk about Andre and Chris Livingston and kind of what they were able to bring for stretches, especially in that second half. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's it's just this, this team just doesn't defend at a high enough level. And, you know, there's the micro of, like, what happened in this game. You know, whatever, like, stuff happens, right? Games, bad games happen, things like that. But the real concern is how this reflects the macro mm-hmm. problems that the Bucks have. And again, the fact that there is no foundation of defense that the players or we as fans slash observers of this team believe in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Adrian Griffin and his coaching staff, you think they go, go to bed at night feeling like they know what the heck's going to happen on defense and how they're going to, you know, get this team to a better place? I'm sure they're also scratching their heads at this point, you know, we're almost halfway through the season and there's been, again, you talk about trajectory. It's, it's a trajectory in the wrong direction right now. It truly is. And we're going to dig deeper into that later on in the show. But the thing that really blew my mind, you mentioned just how bad the Bucks defense was at halftime. I just pulled up the metrics and I just wanted to see at halftime, the Utah jazz had a 160.4 offensive rating. I like I've refreshed the page a couple of times just to say, it are my eyes seeing yeah. what I think 
that they're seeing at the moment. And I, I couldn't believe it. The Bucks finished the game, or I should say the Jazz finished the game with a 131.6 offensive rating, which is, you know, down from that crazy 160 rate, but still, of course, not good enough. I do want to talk a little bit about what the Bucks did do well in the second half, if that's sustainable, before we talk a little bit more about trends. And let's do that coming up next. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. The most common phrase you tend to hear at the start of new year is that new year, new me energy. But let's think differently for a second here. What are some things that you want to keep doing well in 2024 that you were doing well in 2023? Like, where were you already crushing it at? Because around the new year, we tend to always think about what we need to change, what to change, what to change, what to change, instead of thinking about what we're already doing, right? And looking to expand upon that. So maybe you just started taking your supplements every morning and now you want to eat breakfast with that too. Or maybe you've organized one part of your home and now you want to take on another. Therapy can help you find your strength so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and you can make changes that can actually stick. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's something that can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can also switch out therapists at any time for no additional charges. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. We appreciate you for tuning in to Locked On Bucks, even after the tough losses like tonight. A special shout out to all those everydayers who tune in Monday through Friday. I got to tell y'all about something else that you might enjoy, which is Locked On Sports Today, because the Locked On Network that you've come to know and love launched that first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you with 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day. Again, it's brought to you by the local experts of Locked On. Plus, you get our national shows that cover every league as well. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, Frank, I mentioned that the Bucks did do some things a bit differently in the second half. I mentioned in the first segment, we saw them running uh, the Jazz off the three-point line a little bit better we saw them limit second chance points for the Jazz because, as you mentioned, they were getting killed on the boards early throughout that first half and tightened up in the second half. Uh, when it comes to second point chances, they still lost that battle overall, uh, 20 to 13, but that was looking like 17 to 2 after the first half. So the Bucks did tighten up there, but is there anything else that you saw, maybe Chris Livingston minutes, uh, that, that might have piqued your interest in the second half of what the Bucks did differently? Well, first off, I mean, let's kind of be at least a little measured with this because I, I get it. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people saying like, you know, oh, we got to get Chris minutes, you know, got to find a way to get him minutes every night and, you know, add him to the list with Andre and, and Marjan and whatever. Um, look, happy for Chris Livingston. He responded the way I think you wanted a young guy to respond. He worked really hard defensively, was able to get, you know, some kind of garbage kind of baskets around, you know, around the rim. Um, and again, like what more could you have expected from Chris Livingston, right? I think he right. did about as much as he could. Um, but 
you know, also in the fourth quarter, I think we saw pretty much any time the ball went to Chris or Andre, it was a mistake, right? <laughs> like, like, you know, they put it on the deck when they shouldn't have turnovers, bad passes, missed shots, you know, again, nerves. They showed why they're very limited offensive players and why, you know, I think them carving out niches in the NBA is going to be challenging, but at least, you know, defensively, I think we know, obviously Andre has, I think a high defensive ceiling at a couple blocks tonight, um, had his moments defensively, but again, he also started and was part of the group that got run off the floor in the yeah. first half. So it's not like, you know, Andre Jackson was delivering any solutions defensively, right? That's obviously what a lot of us have been hoping for that, you know, put Andre in the mix and suddenly, you know, you'll, you'll be a much better defensive team. It's, it's unfortunately not that easy. And with young, you know, young guys, rookies, um, there's always a learning curve. And we've seen that obviously kind of over the course of the first few months of, of Andre's career, but for Chris Livingston, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think he just played with a high motor. Um, he looked versatile defensively. They obviously switched a ton of stuff. I think playing bigger, um, you know, we didn't see very much Malik Beasley in the second half, which obviously you can question at this point because he was the only guy kind of making shots there, probably in those middle quarters. And then he kind of disappeared again. So uh, again, like, yeah, given that Livingston, I think kind of Chris, I think kind of ran out of gas What he played like 14 straight minutes or something like that in the fourth quarter. Of course, we can say I probably would have been good to bring Malik back in at some point, but obviously uh, Adrian Griffin tried to kind of run with the the guys that were giving them energy. And, um, you know, as is so often the case, there's just sort of limits to that, right? Guys, you know, a group can bring you back from a, a deficit, but it's just hard getting over the hump. We saw that yeah. in Houston. We saw that again tonight, right? Like you dig yourself a 31-point hole, you get it down under 10 multiple times. Again, it's just just kind of hard to to dig out of it. And you know, I think the Bobby Portis experience and that whole back and forth with Olenek was interesting, right? I mean, on the one hand, it got the fans really into it, but you know, Bobby also took you know ended up getting called for a couple of fouls to put something to the free throw line, and you know, he had the ball on a back down. I think they were down eight late in the fourth third quarter. Yep. There was time on the shot clock, so it wasn't like you know it was the last possession and they could have run out the clock. I think there, I want to say there were like three or four seconds difference. I, th- I thought there was not a lot of difference between the shot and game clock, and he settled for a post shot. It was not easy, and went pretty early, and he misses pretty pretty short 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 rims it, and Jazz just blow right down the the, the floor. Get uh, I think it was Keontae George hit a layup or you know a short banker to make it go up to 10 and all of a sudden, you know, a chance to get it down to six going to the fourth quarter instead is 10. And then they come back from commercial and it's, Oh, Bobby Portis has gotten a technical and they're shooting a free throw to make it 11. And so it just felt like kind of the double-edged sword of Bobby, right? He had a couple buckets on Kelly Olenek crowds going crazy as they're going back and forth at it. But you know, Bobby giveth Bobby taketh away um, is kind of what that late third quarter felt like. And, you know, I think it was correct to pull him. You know, I think he he wasn't on the floor much longer beyond that. And honestly, if you're if you have to play defense and you're trying to come back from a deficit, yeah, Bobby's not the guy I want on the floor, right? I mean, unfortunately, that's kind of just a reality. And especially on a night where you're playing these younger, kind of big wing sized guys with Andre and Chris, um, obviously, I think they were just giving kind of better energy. And um, you know, and, but it's it's just such a big hole they dug that. Um, they were going to have to pitch kind of a you know almost perfect game to to get back and win it in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, again, that margin of error is really small when you're down that big. And it felt like down the stretch there where the Bucks would get some stops. At the in fourth quarter in particular, it felt like the third quarter is where they used up most of the juice. And in the fourth quarter, you started seeing more defensive breakdowns again. And I mean, at this point, the formula to breaking down the Bucks defense is you get penetration and you kick out. You put the Bucks in a scramble position and you force them to try to rotate to the right place because more times than not, you're going to be able to get an open look out of that. And of course, seeing Chris Livingston get a career high in minutes so far this evening was interesting to see. I thought we would see some interesting things in this game, given the fact that we didn't have Dame, we didn't have Cam. So I knew the lineups would get a little wonky at times, but the second half just felt to me like Griff was just throwing out guys who he thought in the moment could try to win that game. And with the young guys in particular, We've had the conversations about them a lot of different times. And the the draw and the interest in them, as you know, is the fact that they're younger guys who are athletic, who theoretically play good defense. And that all sounds exactly like what the Bucs need. And I don't disagree that it's not. But you also see what comes with playing young players. And that's mistakes. It's mental lapses as well. Things that you're seeing from other players on this team at this point. So for me, it's kind of like, do you want to see your young guys making some of these mistakes or are these vets continuing to make mistakes at this point? And I don't think that this game in itself is like some type of larger referendum that says, hey, Chris Levington should play 15 minutes from here on out the rest of the season. I think that we need to continue developing these guys. And when we can find minutes for them in the game, give them minutes. If the vets don't have it in that night, I'm here for the young guys coming in and being able to do their thing. So an interesting game, so to speak. And Frank, you mentioned earlier that, of course, we're talking about this game, but looking at it in a larger sample size is something that's going to be helpful for us as well, because this is the Bucks team with championship aspirations. We want to see them playing in June. We want them to see they're playing their best ball then, but after an 11 and 2 December, January has not started off on the best foot for the Bucks. So I want to take a look at some of those trends that we have seen so far this month during this very small sample size and look ahead to, to what's next for the Bucks with the pretty crucial, brutal, I should say, uh, three game stretch coming up for them. So more about that up next. The NFL regular season has come to a close, but the NFL season is turning up now that the postseason is here. Wildcard weekend starts on Saturday. And listen, with the Bucs losing like this, I'm so thankful. At least the Packers have given me some joy personally here in the state of Wisconsin. But hey, make sure you get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sport book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. Again, 150 bucks if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, trust me when I tell you there is no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is really easy to use. You can pick it up pretty quickly. And there's a wide range of betting options, including player props, over-unders, spreads, and more than that once you dig into it. So make sure you visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get in on the action. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. As I mentioned, December was good to the Bucks, 11-2 record. And at this point here in January, now losing to the Jazz, dropped to 1-4 and four, uh, on the month here. And I took some time just to kind of look back at December because things I felt we were talking about things trending upward in December, and we have not seen that from the Bucks so far. And 
like I mentioned, there's a tough three-game stretch coming up for this team. We have Boston on Thursday in Milwaukee, followed by the Warriors on Saturday, and then the Kings on Sunday, a back-to-back here at home. And if the Bucs keep trending the way they have been in January, those games can get ugly pretty quickly. And outside of just those games alone, if these trends continue, this is a team that we won't be seeing playing postseason basketball. And we've seen them be able to play a bit better. So some numbers to throw at you here. In December, the Bucs were 11-2. and two. Offensively, they had the fourth best net rating in the NBA, plus 9.8. Look at January, and this is just the first four games here, not including tonight's Jazz game, which we've talked about those numbers already, but they have a negative 6.7 net rating in January so far, 19th in the NBA. I mean, offensive numbers are just down by just just down the stretch. Offensive rating is down from 126.8 down to 115.1. Effective field goal percentage down from 60%, which was first in the league, down to 54.6. The turnovers, they've gotten a bit better with that so far in the month of January. And defensively, again, it's, it's, it's been tough. They're giving up more points. The Bucks' defensive rating in December was around 117, which was 14th in the league. Here in January so far, it's been about 121.8, which will go up after this game as well. Effective field goal, teams are shooting better uh, against the Bucks so far in January. Turnovers about the same. The Bucs don't force many of those. They were last in the league in the month of December. They're still last right now in turnover percentage uh, in January. And free throw rate, they're fouling more as well. Uh, in December defensively, they were giving up about a 20.6 free throw rate to opponents. So far in January, it's been 27.3. And Frank, when you hear all these different numbers about how the Bucs have been trending in January and looking at what the Bucs have up next, is there anything that you're looking to see from this team to show how they can change course or anything that just stands out to you from what we've seen in December and what we're seeing now in January? I mean, the, the thing about the rotations for so much this year is that's interesting, right? The Bucks have had terrific health, um, which I don't know if you'd say that's a good thing or a bad thing in the context <laughs> of this, right? You can't, you know, we've talked about it. You can't blame the Bucks' defensive struggles on health. Jay Crowder, you know, cannot be the reason that you're a bad defense, right? Given everybody else has been pretty much healthy. Um, but because of that, you know, the starting lineup has generally been very good. And it seems like Griff's kind of, you know, MO has been like, well, I don't want to screw things up. I'm just going to play the starting group. They're going to start the first quarter, the third quarter, they're going to close every game. And we basically have seen no combinations of wings other than Malik Beasley with, Dame Giannis and Chris. I was looking at this yesterday. Of of the minutes with Dame Giannis, Chris, your three best players, 90% of those minutes have gone to Malik Beasley as one of the the two other players on the floor. Obviously, Brooke Lopez has typically been the fifth guy, Bobby Portis, the other kind of guy that that most typically is that fifth guy because you know they're the two bigs. Um, but you know, literally like Ajax, Marjan, even Pat Connaughton. I think Pat Conan played like 20 possessions, you know, with the big three, which I mean, it's kind of remarkable, right? But like for all the talk coming in that, you know, Adrian Griffin was going to experiment and get weird and do the kind of stuff that was going to like prepare the Bucks for the playoffs and he's going to make adjustments, all that. He's been super chalk when it comes to like his rotations. Yeah. And I mean, again, he's doing what has worked nominally, right? The numbers say like, yeah, the starting lineup has been great, but 
you know, he, he's not playing, to, I mean, before tonight when it was kind of like forced to do something, he's not, it's not like he's like playing and developing the rookies a lot or, you know, Marjan, another young guy, right? Like, I mean, they're, they're playing some, but they're not playing a whole lot. And so I think the interesting thing is he didn't really probably feel like he had to do that because they were winning most of their games. So now I think the question is, now that you start losing games, you start feeling the pressure, you know, people can talk about all they want, but you know, read Buck's Twitter. Like, don't 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 tell me that that I t- said you got to fire Adrian Griffin. But people are talking, Camille. Like, people are not happy. Yeah, and they've been saying that since week two of the season. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't give that man a sample size at all. They you said, know, and some people said, "Oh, just it's it's early, whatever." Well, it's now we're halfway through the season. Stuff's gotten worse as far as the yeah. defense, and now you've actually started to lose some games. And so, you know, is this guy going to, is this the coach that's going to lead you to championship? Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling it guys. Um, you know, but again, like, let's put that aside. I don't think there's really any good options at this point for the Bucks as far as Adrian Griffin goes. Like, I think I'm pretty confident saying he was a mistake, obviously with Nick Nurse there, you, you know, we're going to have the Wolverine looking at the, the picture of Nick Nurse, you know, um, and what might've been if they had hired Nick Nurse, but it is what it is now. And so I think the question, if you're aging Griffin, you're not firing yourself, you're not quitting. So what are you going to do? Play different guys is the only other thing you can do, right? Like your whatever adjustment schematics you've tried obviously hasn't worked. I think we can talk about them like trying to be less pointlessly aggressive way out on the perimeter with guys that can't do that. That would be the kind of most obvious sort of tactical thing to change in general, um, but then, yeah. especially you know, again, when you're not forcing many turnovers as it is. Exactly. They, they've, they've gotten like no better at forcing turnovers, right. despite that kind of philosophical change. So, um, so I think again, there's, there, there's definitely some things they could do differently. Um, they could do some things differently, probably like in terms of rebounding, not be as aggressive going for the offensive glass, try to get back in transition more. Although the transition defense over the last month plus has been a lot better. Um, so there's been improvement there. The rebounding obviously has been a problem, uh, but I think the question now is just like Jay Crowder, hopefully coming back maybe in a week or so. Um, what do they do differently in terms of rotations? Do they try different things to try to, again, just give a different look to this defense, do different things defensively. Because again, that is the thing Adrian Griffin has not done. Like, you know, these young guys are going to make mistakes. I don't think there's any magic, you know, silver bullet here of just, right. Oh, just play Andre and all of your problems are going to go away or play Chris Livingston. Like, no, of course those guys aren't going to solve all the problems. Um, but if they get desperate and they feel like they have to change something about the way things are going, then I am curious to see if, if maybe he'll try to do some, some different things defensively, go smaller, you know, more regularly. Right. Because Bobby's been generally not part of the solution this year overall. Um, you know, even unless his shots fall, unless his three balls falling, like it's just like tonight when he missed those first couple threes, it was like, oh, okay, like, yeah. it's probably not going to go their way. So, so yeah, um, there's tactical stuff they can do. And then to me, I think the most obvious thing we can see, obviously anybody can see if different guys are playing rotations change. Um, so we'll see because Adrian Griffin has not done that so far and maybe for some decent reasons, but now I think we're getting into the kind of a situation where, He's going to have to try something beyond just kind of rinse and repeat every night and hope that continuity solves all the problems. Cause I think at this point we can say it's not going to work just doing the same thing and just getting reps. 
Yeah, definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing <laughs> over and over and over again, expecting a different result. So that's what I agree on, because I do think that this Bucks team has some personnel challenges when it comes to the style of play that Griff wants to do. I just don't think on this team currently uh, you have a lot of the personnel to play as aggressively. So, yeah, there are definitely some things that he can do uh, schematically to make those changes. The players themselves have to play with better effort. I mean, we saw that just between the first half and the second half of play with these two teams and the effort levels and how different they were. So there's that to it. And at this point, until or unless, I should say, I shouldn't say until assuming that something will happen. But if nothing does happen before the trade deadline for this team, then this is going to be the roster you are stuck with. And it's going to be time (laughs) to try some different things out, right? You know, because earlier in the season, I was thinking, I'm thinking that he's continuing to stay with some of these rotations and lineups to give the vets their chance to say like, hey, I'm putting the ball in your court. I'm trusting in you. Like, show me that you can run with this opportunity and that you can play the way I'm asking of you to play. And we haven't been seeing the results on a consistent basis. We see them in flashes every so often, every couple of games against certain competition. But on a consistent basis, what we're looking to see, uh, we haven't seen yet. And they've been trending down in January. So I hope that Griff does try some different lineups here. I hope more than anything, too, as well, coming into Thursday's game is, that Dame is back with the team. Not having Dame is definitely different. We saw how much attention Giannis got defensively without Dame being on the court with him as well in the first half. And second half, they started facilitating offense through other options besides Giannis, which did help. So having Dame back on Thursday should help uh, what we saw tonight. But when we're thinking about how the Bucks have looked so far this season, there are still questions that need to be answered. And the sample size is getting large enough now where you can say, Hey, these things aren't working. So now what are we going to do? So, yeah. There- and I think, and I was going to say, Camille, I mean, you know, we, there's no official reason other than personal reasons for Dame missing tonight's game. Right. Uh, you know, he's talked about over Christmas, like, you know, he's going through a divorce. He's not seeing his kids regularly. I think, you know, he, he's regularly being in scrums with media, like, and has his, literally his kids on FaceTime. Um, so I think from just a parent standpoint, um, it's a pretty, pretty tough time for him, I imagine. And then, you know, even though they've been winning games and his numbers are good, like there's still the, this weird energy around like the team and, and things like that. So, I mean, who knows, right, where his head's been at, because obviously over the past 10 days, he's put together, you know, with the exception of like the end of the Spurs game, it's been pretty ugly run of games for him. So again, you hope that he's okay off the floor yeah. and that things are okay with him personally. Um, you know, like, I'm, I've been just sort of like waiting over the past few days. Like, when do we get the Chris Haynes, um, you know, uh, tweet, story, murmurs um, about Dame's happiness with Adrian Griffin or something else around the box or something like that? Um, I'm still kind of keeping an eye on that. You know, Haynes has a direct line to Dame. And I, I guess Haynes is like, I don't know if he's like first cousins, but he's like sort of cousins with Mariah. Giannis's um partner so yeah so if 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 things have to go down and and this is the thing I always come back to it's like we can talk about Adrian Griffin being the wrong hire or they should fire Adrian Griffin we can talk all we want about it, it unless Damon Giannis like basically decide that we're gonna go to John Horst and be like this has to change like that's what it would take to me to to get some sort of in-season change because that's a right. you know that's a huge change to make it's hugely disruptive who knows, you know, I mean, 
is Terry Stotts going to walk back in and solve all the Bucks problems? You know, I mean, anybody coming in is going to have, you know, we talk about Adrian Griffin, a rookie coach, having a really tough chore as a head coach for a team with these types of expectations. If you try to bring in somebody else midseason, you're going to have another huge challenge kind of coming in. So um, I almost am just sort of like, I don't expect anything to happen, not because I think Adrian Griffin is the right guy for this team, but just because mm-hmm. it's just now you're just in this really bad spot. Um, but I think it is, again, just something that, I'm always curious to see Giannis's comments. I'm always curious to see Dame's comments. And again, something to matter where they are relative to the coaching, because if there's one thing that can get head coaches fired in the modern NBA, it is star players who are not happy. And, um, you know, our friend Eric name had very direct question. I mean, people say like, Oh, like, Oh, why don't, why doesn't the media get on the coaches and stuff? You look at Eric's questions that he had pregame to Adrian Griffin. Right. Super direct. It was basically like Giannis called out the coaching last game. How do you react to that? And, you know, I mean, whatever. Like, I'm not expecting Adrian Griffin to say, like, well, I really thought about that. That really doesn't make me feel good that Giannis thinks I need to be better at coaching and that we don't have a strategy, right? Like, I mean, he didn't answer the question. But, um, you know, credit to Eric. Like, he he tried to ask the question. And you can't, you know, you can't just, like, stomp your feet and – pound your fist and say like, you got to give me an answer to that question, Griff. Like, right. I mean, that's not how media, you know, relations with, with coaches work, but, um, but yeah, I mean, again, this is just one of these kind of subtexts of, of everything going on with the bucks right now, the more these losses pile up, um, the more, I think we're all going to be looking at what Damon Giannis are saying and doing and the body language and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. because I'm sure they're very frustrated right now. Um, and man, <laughs> Thursday's game against the Boston Celtics, you got a few days off to, they can actually practice and really think yeah. about that game. If they come out and lay another egg in the first half, I think that's going to say a whole lot about where this team is and where the coaching staff is. And, you know, again, kind of like, uh, how they measure up in the Eastern conference. Cause obviously right now they don't measure up to the Boston Celtics in the Eastern conference. They're somehow, st- I think they're technically still they're second. second. Yes. Just because Embiid's been out and so Philly's been losing some games. But um, yeah, I mean, again, like they, they need to write the ship quickly because, again, if, if you start slipping down the standings, like that's, I think, when the pressure really starts to get amped up. So season is long. You know, we forget about the losing streaks that happened in previous years. You know, people kind of just out of sight, out of mind. It happens. Um, but again, this is just a different situation because there's so many more unknowns. And again, the coaching staff obviously being a big part of that. It's a lot of questions with this Bucks team, and we're going to start getting a few more answers as the season continues to go on. And like I mentioned, maybe, we have a maybe, we'll get, yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> like we're we're getting a bigger sample size, and I'm very much looking forward to this game against Thursday because it's going to tell us a lot about where this team currently is. I will give them credit for not quitting tonight, but man, still an embarrassing effort that uh, the Bucks put out on the floor tonight. So let's wrap up there. We're going to have a lot more locked on Bucks for you all throughout the week ahead of the Celtics game. And hey, the Bucks got two days off. So like Frank mentioned, maybe, maybe that'll be helpful. I will say too, Thursday's game is only on TNT. Uh, so just for Bucks fans, keep that in mind. So we're going to get out of here. Before we do, make sure you head over to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe. Go and check that out after we close up here. For Frank and myself, we'll catch you later.